This podcast is brought to you by the Kansas City Barbecue Store, the official provider of barbecue supplies to listeners of Pitmaster. If you haven't visited the Kansas City Barbecue Store in person or on the web, they literally have every supply that you can think of to make you not only successful at competition barbecue, but also the king of your cul-de-sac. From smokers and fuel to rubs and sauces, the Kansas City Barbecue Store has everything and anything you could want. And get this, as a listener of the OVS Pitmaster podcast, you can get 10% off of your order during National Barbecue Month, which is May, by using the code PITPOD, P-I-T-P-O-D, all caps, for online orders at www.thekansascitybarbecuestore.com. If they don't have it, you probably don't need it. So visit thekansascitybarbecuestore.com today for all your barbecue needs. Good morning. My name is Luke Darnell, the host of the Pitmaster Podcast. Got a co-host this morning. Hey, man. How's it going? Mr. Brian Corbett from Smoking Scully's. I'm down here in North Carolina. He was kind enough to house me and take me golfing yesterday. So we had a great time. But this morning, we've also got with us a man that wakes up in the morning and pisses excellence. It's pretty early that this morning, so I don't know if he's already done that. But we've got Joe Pierce from Slaps. How are you, Joe? I'm good, guys. Just to let you know, I've pissed th- uh, three times already this morning. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. Oozing, yeah. oozing excellence. <laughs> I don't know about that, but glad to be here, Luke and Brian. Thanks, John. So one of the things, and Brian and I were talking about this this morning, is uh, probably one of the most important lessons that I've learned in barbecue I learned from you, and I wanted to kind of focus in on that this morning in that I think it was three years ago, I was able to come out to Kansas city early for the Royal and we went meat shopping for the mm. Royal. And it absolutely blew me away. Just watching the way that you think about getting meat for a contest. I think we went through a hundred pork butts and a hundred racks of ribs, maybe even more um, just to find you know, there's eight perfect pieces of meat for both contests. Right. And that's when I realized that maybe I need to do things a little differently. <laughs> and uh, so one of the things that I've, you know, as we've, as we've gotten to know each other over the years is that, you know, you, you take a very specific approach to each and every contest in terms of just being detail oriented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? <clears throat> yeah, man. You know, so, I, uh, I do, you know, 90% of the contest by myself. Um, so having a regimen and process, having, um, something that I can repeat week in and week out is kind of what I strive for. So if, uh, if I don't have the ability to do something the exact same way every week, um, I should really start kind of losing focus, losing attention. And, and it really, really is reflected in my scores, um, just because I'm not, I'm not committed to cooking a barbecue contest. So for me, it starts on, um, you know, the Sunday before a barbecue contest and it's going to my grocery store. That's usually when I buy chicken, as long as they remember to order it. Um, and then I get all the accoutrements that, you know, I run out of the trailer, paper towels, cleaner, brown sugar, honey, stuff like that. And, and, uh, so that's kind of the, the, the Sunday process. And, Monday, I pull, you know, briskets out of the fridge, um, 
if I'm using frozen ribs, I'll usually start thawing ribs on Monday. Um, if they're fresh, I'll at least start looking through ribs Monday and Tuesday. Um, Tuesday is the next day I get, you know, luckily I have a, a restaurant that slaps um, and uh, I can look through a, a quite a bit of pork and ribs. And so we get a truck in on Tuesday. So I get to look through those and Wednesday I trim Thursday. Um, you know, if I'm not going to a contest, I'm getting the trailer completely loaded, but most likely I'm driving to a contest Thursday night and, and then Friday morning and Saturday is, is, is go time. So, um, you know, that, that process happens every week of a contest, no matter what. Um, and I don't like to, I don't like to vary too much, but, uh, but having that regimented of a schedule really helps me stay focused. And, uh, you know, I have time planned out in my week to, select meat, trim meat, make injections, buy rubs, buy sauces, and uh, and get everything ready to go. Right. And don't forget your Thursday phone call to me. That's <laughs> Yeah, I didn't, I didn't put that one in there. But yeah, no, we do a, we do a Thursday on the way to a contest phone call. And, uh, and that, that always just gets our head right and gets us in the right place. And uh, it's worked. Uh, I think, it, you know, 50 cent or what, what did they say? 50% of the time it works every time. Uh, <laughs> That's right. And, uh, but no, yeah. So like, it's, it's that kind of stuff that, uh, that, man, you just have to have that schedule when you're cooking as many as, as many as I have over the last few years. If I was cooking one every other month, I probably wouldn't care too much. Um, but, uh, man, I have a full-time job and I have a wife and a kid and I have 15 acres. I got to mow and uh, cut down trees on. And I mean, there's just, there's always something pulling me away from, from that schedule. So if I commit to cooking a barbecue contest, I'm going to commit to running my schedule and, and that's setting the time aside that I need to do to make sure that I have good meat, uh, everything that I'm, I, I don't go, I, everything I need in the trailer. Like it's very rare that I show up to a contest and have to go to the neighbor and say, Hey man, do you got any, uh, you know, foil pans I can borrow? Because if I say to my schedule, I have a checklist and mark it all off and I'm good to go. Wow. You just, you just described what I do every contest. Same here. So I am notorious for borrowing something. Uh, it, it's actually kind of become a little running joke around here. Uh, if I borrow something in the last 12 months, I've won. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, There's been times I've borrowed stuff I didn't even need because I realized on Saturday morning, I'm like, shit, I hadn't borrowed anything lately. Right. And, and, <laughs> You know, I had to, uh, I had to borrow a, not because I forgot it because mine broke. Um, I had to borrow a, uh, like a squirt bottle for apple juice, um, from a guy in, uh, in, uh, Gardner, Kansas, Chris Travers with, uh, uh, three pigs smoking. And uh, it was one of those pressurized orange, um, automatic, you know, sprayers. And I think Rod Gray really used them back in the day. And, uh, Anyway, I borrowed it from him, and he said, "Hey, man, it's completely extra. Just, just use it. But I don't need it back, you know, till the end of the contest." And anyway, so I cooked the contest. I cooked the seven oh nine, just absolutely nut drug everybody. And, uh, and I told him, "I was like, hey, buddy, you're not getting this back. I'm keeping this forever." <laughs> right. So, and that's that's the danger. Right. When you, when you borrow something, and like, hey, man, sorry about this. You know, I. I did. I lost the lock on my the padlock for my trailer door, and Mark Gibbs had a brand new one. He's like, "Yeah, you can borrow it for the week, you know." And then we won the next weekend, and I'm like, "Well, you borrowed your lock." Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not probably right. Uh, you know, but I think it's more than 
I mean, you've talked a lot about having the right meat and supplies, but I think in conversations, I mean, you, you think about things that affect the cook that I don't think a lot of people do, including, you know, elements like, you know, elevation mm-hmm. and, and pressure and stuff like that. I mean, one day you just astounded me. I don't know if you were in the zone or not, but you're like, well, we're at this elevation, so it's probably going to finish at this temperature. And I was kind of just like, I kind of hung up the phone and went like, Jesus, I'm not even close to this. (laughs) Well, you know, when you travel uh, uh, a lot and uh, you go to different parts of the country, I mean, you have to pay attention to the elements. You know, when you go down to uh, Arizona, there's no humidity. So if you're not running so, some sort of water pans in your smoker, your, your cook's going to come out different. You know what I mean? If you're, if you're cooking in, uh, in Colorado, um, and you're above, you know, uh, a mile high, your, your, your boiling points different and, uh, and, and stuff like that. So it's just, if a storm's rolling in and barometric pressure drops, I mean, that's going to change the pressure of your airflow in your cooker. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's so much stuff that goes, um, into being able to recreate a process week in and week out. I mean, I talk a lot about, you know, um, like mass airflow volume with my smoker and and being able to have a firebox where I can add a ton of coals if I need to on a, on a freezing cold day and not necessarily because the cooker needs it, but it might just be every time I open the door, I'm letting 50 degrees of the smoker drop and it might take five minutes to get that smoker back up to temperature. So on a super cold day, I'll run a little bigger of a fire, even if it means I'm going to have to watch the smoker constantly to make sure it's not cooking too hot. Um, I can, you know, close the damper on the back even more, close the the exhaust down uh, a ton, you know what I mean? And really focus on uh, watching the smoker where I have a process and, you know, Brian has seen it when I've uh, when I cook a barbecue contest, I use like nine splits of wood, two bags of charcoal, and I have a time frame when I add charcoal every single, you know, hour, 45 minutes, whenever it is. And I follow that religiously and I don't have to really manage the smoker a whole lot as long as it's, there's not crazy elements going on. So when it's super cold outside or even super hot outside, maybe I'll run a little less, less uh, fire in there. So I don't have to worry about it getting hot, but um, you know what I mean? When, when, uh, when you have all those elements going in and you're traveling all the country and you're trying to win a barbecue contest, uh, it's kind of stuff you just need to think about. You don't, you don't necessarily have to. I know there's teams that have paid less attention to one and <laughs> one barbecue contest before, but it's just not how my brain works. I, uh, I need, uh, this is just, is just me in general. Um, anything that I do, um, whether it's running the restaurant or, or purchase of meat, um, for the restaurant or, or getting ready for a barbecue contest, the more details I know, um, about whatever situation I'm going into, the better I feel prepared. And so I get, uh, I, you know, I yell at Cisco, who's our, our meat provider a lot because I ask him and I say, I need to know every step of the process and where it failed. So I can tell, I can make an educated decision whether I need to do something different for this day or this week or this month. Uh, based on the needs of my restaurant. And so I feel the same way when I'm doing barbecue contests. Like I need to know how many teams, I need to know where I'm located on a map. I need to know what the wind direction is. I need to know how hot it'd be. I need to know the elevation. Um, you know what I mean? So I can make an educated decision how to position myself to have the best, best chance of success 
for that weekend. And so um, it's just, you know, I'm a little analytical the way my brain works and um, it's just kind of, kind of what I have to have for me to feel like I even have a chance of being successful. Right. I mean, some of my favorite conversations have been, you know, we have our Thursday phone call and uh, you call me early Friday morning and say, yeah, it was three in the morning and I couldn't sleep and I get woke up and the wind was blowing a different direction. So I just moved the whole trailer. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, where that, most that, happened at the, that happened at that gardener contest. Uh, I, uh, I was, it was, this was, but I moved on Saturday morning because the wind was whipping and circling the, in a parking lot and I was tucked into these trees and, uh, and uh, I, uh, I spent about an hour trying to get the pit to do what it was supposed to do. And it was just 30, 40 mile an hour of, of circle wind right, right off of the porch of my trailer. So I just uh, I just hooked up and pulled to a different spot and went a different direction and won the contest. So there was uh, not everybody too happy with me, but it happened. So, uh, so, you know. so Joe, you alluded to this uh, a few minutes ago, but I, I took a class that proved to be very pivotal in my barbecue career last February. Um, and out of that class, it might have been a slaps class. Um, <laughs> I, there, you know, I picked up a lot of detail and that was some of the really aha moments was just the detail to things like you're discussing now. And if I remember, you know, your timeline, I do. If you moved your trailer at three or four o'clock in the morning, you were already fired up. Yeah, no, I was. I was. Uh, so I lied at three thirty. I put brisket on at four fifteen and um, I had brisket on the smoker and I could not I could not get it to consistently flow the right direction because of the wind that was swirling. And so it didn't matter which direction I moved the, the stack. I have a rotating stack on and I would put the put, put the curve side in the direction of the wind was blowing it. And I just, I couldn't get it to do what it was supposed to do. And I've never had that problem uh, on this trailer. And, uh, and so, yeah, I had to make a decision, right. Um, man, I, I literally could not get the pit over like 220 degrees, which even then it would drop to a hundred or, or pick up to four, 400 based on which direction the wind was blowing right. every, you know, five minutes. And so I did, I just, uh, I hooked up the trailer and, uh, just basically put it out in the middle of a field where they used to have teams, but they didn't have a ton of teams this year. So, um, I just put it out in the a field and faced it in the direction that the wind was going to face directly into the firebox and uh you know everything smoothed out it came right up the temp i backed everything down ran at 325 and uh had a good day had a real good day <laughs> yeah using nature's guru that's impressive yeah <laughs> that's impressive that takes some cojones too i mean right. meat, meat already on the pit and you're moving the entire rig but yeah and there's a there's a bit of a we some some teams questioned whether that was in the rules to be able to do or not. Right. Because technically you need to keep your meat in your spot. Um, and you have one assigned to you and I moved, you know what I mean? And I was cooking in a different spot that wasn't assigned to me. Um, but you know, at, at four o'clock in the morning, it's not like the organizer and the reps were out there for me to have a conversation with to say, Hey, I'm having a problem. It's either me be able to cook or me go home. And, uh, and, uh, and so I just made a decision as soon as the organizer got there that day, I said, I said, Hey, I was having an issue with my, my pit. I had to, uh, um, 
move and, and put a different direction. And, and she was kind of like, I think she was annoyed that I drove on the grass. Um, <laughs> she goes like, well, it's already done. And I said, well, yeah, I was just calling to tell you what happened or letting you know. And she seemed a little frustrated about it, but you know, I didn't really care. Um, and then, but the reps were like, Hey, you obviously had to do what you had to do. Um, you know, they, they were perfectly okay with it, but, uh, but yeah, you know, I think if I wouldn't have won, I don't think anybody would have cared, <laughs> but, but I won, uh, I won pretty big. So the best part about that contest was I made a uh, Brad Leininger was there. We were chasing team of the year back and forth. And, uh, I had to leave early to uh, go to a catering and slaps. And uh, I made Brad pick up all my awards. And so I won and he had to go pick up all my stuff. And uh, he <laughs> won cool. a, uh, I won it. I won like an in-home, like built-in water purifier. Like you had to put in your home and he happened to be building the house. And so I think that water purifier is in his house because that was the price I had to pay for him to pick up, uh, pick up my awards. So uh, it was pretty funny. That's pretty amazing. Pretty yeah. amazing. But the lesson here, folks, is is that every detail matters and don't don't think that it doesn't. And anything that you can do to give yourself that little bit more knowledge or advantage or you know, just mindset is gonna help your end result. This podcast is brought to you by barbecuedata.com. Barbecuedata.com is your one-stop shop for all of your barbecue competition data. Historical data, calls, wins, placements, everything under one roof. It's a great way not only to track yourself in the standings, but also to track how you improve your scores from year to year. Listeners of this podcast can receive 20% off of a new subscription to barbecuedata.com with the code PITPOD. That's one word, all capital letters, P-I-T-P-O-D, PITPOD. So check your team scores, check on others, and do it all on barbecuedata.com. Yeah, yeah we, we started this conversation talking about meat selection for the Royal. That was mm-hmm. your experience going yeah. with Joe. But that's the kind of attention to detail that you seem to give every contest. If it's a 20-team contest or if it's a world championship. Is that correct, Joe? Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, I you know, I have uh, I have a little bit of an advantage. Um, sorry about that, guys. I have a little bit of an advantage in the fact that I can look through, you know, 60, 70 cases, cases of ribs a week and, uh, you know, and, you know, 20 cases of pork. Um, so that's, it's easy for me to go pork and rib shopping. Um, uh, but you know, uh, I will, unfortunately it's a, a fortunate and unfortunate, right? The, the fortunate thing is I have the advantage. The unfortunate thing is it's time consuming, <laughs> You know what I mean? Because I want to see if there's a better one. <laughs> so I will right. sit there and I will look through endless amounts of, of ribs um, and pork butts. And, and luckily I have staff that will, uh, you know, when we get a truck, I have, uh, I have the pit masters or the person putting the truck away, you know, they'll take all the meat out of the packaging that it comes in. And so now I've trained them to put the money muscles facing up in these meat bus tubs that we have. So I can just open the bus tub lids and be like, Oh, that's a bad one. That's a good one. That's a bad one. And, uh, and kind of move on from there. But, uh, ribs are the same way they have them in, in big totes and, uh, and I'll just grab two or three totes and, and look through them and hopefully find four or five good ones and, and move on. But, uh, briskets, you know, uh, I, I tell the story 
in the class. And I don't know if it was the one you took, uh, Brian, but uh, when 2020, um, when, when in, in October, when I had a chance to win team of the year, you know, I think Brad and I cooked seven, seven or eight contests in the month of October. Um, and we were just, we were everywhere from, from um, Wyoming to Mississippi um, to uh, out there in, in Virginia. And uh, I thawed for, for seven, seven or eight contests, I thawed like 25 briskets, Snake River Golds, big ones, 20 plusers. Um, and uh, that's nuts. That and I didn't use insane. them all. <laughs> right. So, but I wasn't going to take, you know, I needed, I needed one point to win team of the year and I wasn't going to let a mediocre brisket stop me. You know what I mean? If I, I wasn't going to settle for not having the absolute best brisket that week that I could have. And, uh, and yeah, man. So luckily I had an outlet to use those briskets at slaps. Um, but, uh, but I did. And, and the, I don't think people a have the ability to do that, you know, probably financially. And, and, uh, I, I can write all that stuff off at the restaurant. So it's, it's, it's nice to have, uh, but, uh, at the same time, I don't even think people have that mindset sometimes, you know well, what I mean? You know, there are, there are a lot of factors in play there that you just touched on. I mean, the finances, the freezer space and outlet yep. to be able to get rid of that. I mean, people can't thaw out 10 or 20 or whatever you did gold grade snake river farms <laughs> and not have a way to get rid of them. You do. Yep. And that's fortunate, yep. but, you know, a lot of us, and, and what I picked up off of this is instead of me pulling out one brisket and thawing it, I could, especially if it's a, a very important contest, a bigger one, I could thaw out two. Yeah. Know, because they, they can care. Briskets are a little more forgiving and caring over than, than pork products or chicken for certain. But um, that's, that's, I don't remember that story, but uh, that's. It, it might have happened after, after your class, but um you know, I, uh, it, it's all, it's all about giving myself the best chance to succeed. Right. And, and, um, sometimes you can tell that a brisket's great through the, through the packaging and, uh, and what, what I get from snake river is, is always very good, but sometimes you need one that's just spectacular. Um, and what I took to those contests that, that month of October was spectacular. Like every single brisket was, you know, two, three inches thick, uh, a ton of marbling shaped, right. It didn't have a, a giant fat seam in it. And, and, uh, I, that was the sacrifice that I was willing to make to, to try to win, win team of the year. And, uh, I would tell you looking back on it, I probably didn't need to do it, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, I get a little, little obsessive, a little crazy sometimes, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so it, so it happened. And, you know, I always, I, I always thought two briskets for a contest and I trim one and uh, I picked the better of the two that I think is, is going to work for me. And if that one doesn't turn out to be good, if it's too thin, it doesn't have enough marbling. Um, if I think the, the cryo vac packaging broke and it oxidized the wrong color, like there's, there's a lot of factors that go into why I pick a brisket, but you know, I will, uh, I will, uh, I will trim the next one. And, uh, if it's for a, a contest in, you know, Lansing, Kansas, like I have this week, I'd probably pick one of those two, but if it was a contest for the Jack or the Royal and I didn't like either one of them, I'd go trim another, I go thaw and trim another one. Um, 
it's just uh you know it's it's a little bit of a waste but again i can i can sell it at slaps and, and make some money back on it and it's not the end of the world but uh, yeah. if i didn't have that outlet i don't know if i would even have that thought process of trimming and and thawing and trimming as many briskets as i need to find a good one right. you know what i mean Right. That's just the that's the reality and the, the the benefit I have of having a restaurant. So, well, look, ladies and gentlemen, that's a that's a morning dive into the psyche of Joe Pierce. <laughs> it's a lot, guys. You, you lot. open that I can, you know. <laughs> Brian's like, I need a nap. I need a nap. I got to take some notes and and take a nap. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, are you cooking this weekend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going out to uh, to Lansing, Kansas, which is only about 25 minutes from Slaps, about about 40 minutes from my house, and uh, and uh, they haven't had the contest for a couple of years, and and uh, they always do a good job out there. So, and I think I think the last time it was put on, I won it. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and try to try to go back to back at that contest. So we'll see. We'll be pulling yeah. for you. We'll be pulling for I'll you, and you. I'll talk to you on Thursday. Sounds like a plan. I'll give you a call. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bud. Thanks a lot. No problem, guys. Thank you for listening to Pitmaster, an old Virginia smoke podcast. Be sure to subscribe and like the podcast, rate the podcast, and to share it out with your friends. Also, be sure to check out the old Virginia smoke TikTok as well. Old Virginia smoke, one word. That's all you have to search for. It's hilarious. Tune in next week for another great episode of Pitmaster. For companies interested in advertising, please contact Old Virginia Smoke directly via www.oldvirginiasmoke.com. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is edited by Chris Sedanka. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is a property of Old Virginia Smoke, LLC. All rights reserved. Copyright 2022. Old Virginia.